Welcome to Tunnel Talk Radio on 90.3 Care on your weekend with your host, Colton Stone. I think Mark Stoops has probably realized that when you play defense, you need 11 guys out on the field. And Stephen Huff. Baton Rouge through and through. I mean, this guy is gumbo running through his veins. Welcome to it, Tunnel Talk Radio on 90.3 Care in New Lincoln. I'm Colton Stone alongside, as always, and for the better part of 10 years, Stephen Huff. Stephen, <laughs> the sun came out. It was kind of dark. I mean, it was dark three hours ago when I was mm-hmm. in here. and Chilly. And now I wish I wouldn't have left my sunglasses in my car. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I almost had to break out the coat today. It was so chilly and windy. And break out the uh, 2016 World Series varsity Letterman jacket. <laughs> yeah. You know me so well. Yeah. Take a gander into Steven's wardrobe. That's uh, <laughs> Just follow us on Instagram if you want to see that video <laughs> later. No, we don't, we don't have a show Instagram. Why would we do that? We got to have we have, we have, for a reason. Yeah, we have to have a – yeah. Well, yeah, they're just like black images, just our voice over it. I don't want to look at me. Don't want to look at anybody, frankly. Uh, Steven, before we start – Chasing history today, we were talking about greatest college running backs and how they uh, transferred over into professional football. First of all, who was your greatest college football running back? Oh, Barry Sanders. Mm. But there was like Barry Sanders because of how well it transferred into the pros. But there, I mean, Ricky Williams is up there. Ricky Williams. Uh, Marcus Allen's up there. Herschel Walker's up there. Bo Jackson's up there. But Reggie Bush. See, I I'm a little torn on Reggie Bush, and not because he's not a great running back. Well, he didn't translate to the NFL. It did not, and that's kind of the topic we were going with. But as we were looking at it, uh, the, I mean, the record was broken by Reggie Bush, but Barry Sanders and uh, Gerald Hudson, I believe, was his backup. They in 1988 broke the record for most yards by two running backs in a season. With like 2,900 and something. Well, 2,600 of them were Barry Sanders. Right. So he, he just kind of got his buddy into the record book. But Lendell White and uh, cool. Reggie Bush in 05 broke it with 3,024. I forgot Lendell White was on that. He probably but turned that's out to why. be the better pro back. Well, and then what I was going to say is the reason I kind of omitted Reggie Bush is the fact that of those two duos, Barry Sanders obviously backpacked one yeah. of them. Lendell White wasn't a bad Carried running back. Way. And I don't remember – well, I don't think it was Lendell White. But you remember that 04 – no, not 04, 06. Nebraska goes out to USC. Yeah. Sadly, I remember that. The, the leg. <laughs> yeah. You remember the guy's yeah. leg that broke? <sighs> or ankle, whatever it was. Looked up that video like two months ago. I was like, you guys remember this? Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Have nightmares about that I, still. I think it would be interesting to go back and look at running back duos that both were drafted into the NFL. Because Lendell White and Reggie Bush yeah, were both in solo careers. I don't you know. Arkansas had Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis. SMU had Eric Dickerson and – well, I guess I don't know if his backup got drafted. I always forget his name. Uh-huh. Was it uh, – That's what I was going to ask Was it Merrill Hodge? Could have been. I was going to ask Hodge you about uh, Barry Sanders' backup. If he got drafted, I don't Gerald know. Hudson? Probably not. Probably not. If Barry Marcus Sanders Allen goes. now – Maybe I'm thinking of the Raiders because it was Mark, Marcus Allen and Bo Jackson. But I thought whoever was there – yeah, it was uh, Charles White. It was Marcus oh. Allen and Charles White. Um, that was a great uh, duo too, except for they used um, they used Marcus Allen as a fullback for basically his first two yeah. years because Charles White was a Heisman Trophy winner. Right. 
right? So uh, I think we settled on Barry Sanders, but you can't That's really fair. go wrong with guys that broke his re- – like not his records. In, in 1988, at least as of then, he held 33 NCAA records. That's unreal. Like that's basically all of them. We'll I mean, never how many come more? Across that again. Yeah. How many more could you? That's why. The only guy that's closer is a guy that played a completely different position. Colt. I think it was Colt Brennan. Um, <laughs> maybe it was. Taking maybe it was the guy Hawaii before. Hawaii to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Let me. Uh, let me pull up Colt Brennan really quick. <laughs> Colt Brennan. He was drafted by your Redskins, or at least made the the, yeah, the roster talk, I, yeah, at yeah, one point. Wanna, yeah, I don't want to <laughs> talk about that. Yeah. No, he was drafted round six. <laughs> Was not a round six wonder like some. He had Devon Bess as a receiver. He. I think he had Grice Mullins as a receiver. I know too much about that Hawaii team. They were fun, but they were not good he's, in the pros. He's third all time for passing efficiency in the season. He posted a 186, Jeez. only to be bested by Russell Wilson and Robert Griffin III in the exact same season. And only one of them went on to have a successful NFL career. And the other one's Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, well, at least one of them has a ring, right? Um, yeah, records. He has a few. I don't think he has 33 records, though. But he had – That is not the uh, guy I would have expected. Me to bring records. up? Now, oh. if, now, if I saw someone walking with a Hawaii 15 Colt Brennan jersey, I don't think I could imagine a better jersey to see. That would be a treat. I, there was another guy before him. I'm trying to think. Hawaii quarterbacks. Who was Sasapio or whatever? The guy that played till he was like 45 in the pros? Timmy Chang. Nope. So not my guy. Yeah, not your guy. I don't even know how to say his last name. Timmy Chang. Give me a second. Timmy Chang was something else at the time. Uh, (laughs) He's an American football coach. He coaches for – he's the wide receivers coach for Nevada. Would you look at that? College statistics. He, well, I guess he wasn't that great, but he was before. Well, he threw for 17,000 yards, but he was okay. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's all right. Timmy Chang was all right. Cole um, Brennan is one of those players, one of my guilty pleasures of players that I probably shouldn't like, but I like. Or no, frankly. Yeah. You shouldn't even like acknowledge like the fact he exists. Too much. Him and Andre Woodson, former quarterback for Kentucky. Probably Andre two Woodson. guys I like way too much that most people probably don't know. Was about. Andre Woodson the one that threw that uh, – Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I'm thinking of when LSU. Oh, you remember yeah, that, that, that was, LSU beats yeah, Kentucky? That yeah. Um, that's when uh, the hefty lefty was still there. Right. Jared Lorenzo. Jared Lorenzo. Yeah. During the same time, though, as Colt Brennan, Pat White and Steve Slayton. Oh, my gosh. That was one of the best duos I could ever imagine. In sixth grade, I wrote a, not an essay. It was like a creative writing story mm-hmm. for Mr. Cotton, and it included Pat White and Steve Slayton. Wow. In it. Yeah. I remember Mr. Cotton. You do. Yeah, he made fun of my hair. Oh. And then. Yeah, at the time at least. Yeah. He made now, fun, yeah. Made fun of my hair. And then you go rub it me, in his face now. Saw me years later and then complimented me on my hair. So. Still good that. The beef is squashed. Stupid hair, huh? The beef is squashed. Jeez. 58 touchdown passes, 2006. Cole Brennan. Just, uh, just to round that out. Anyways, Nebraska's got a football <laughs> game this weekend, I think. Some would say they have a game this weekend. Others would say Ohio State has another bye week, but not. I think it'll be closer than people think. I said that about Michigan, so that worked out. We didn't know. But we didn't know how bad it would be. We didn't know how bad it would be, but 
I think us and the team didn't know who who they were right. going into that game. I think they found game. their identity now. Yeah, that uh, went over. Bethune, and I think that was a that went over Bethune Cookman really kicked it in gear. Huh? I think that game was a stepping yeah. stone for Michigan too to find their identity. No, I I definitely think so, and, and not like not in the way where hey, we just beat the hell out of a team that's already winless and has a new coach and fill in the blank with it. Not an excuse, but another reason. But they it kind of showed them that, like, hey, our our defense is actually pretty good. It's pretty dominant. And then, yeah. and then they go and hold Michigan State to 94 total yeah. yards. So I, I wouldn't say it would be hard for me to believe that the identity game for Michigan this year was Nebraska. <laughs> it wasn't, but, but it helped it's a stepping stone. One, yeah. yeah, quite literally a stepping stone. <laughs> So Nebraska-Ohio State, I agree. I think it's going to be closer than than people assume. The line has now moved up to 19 as I'm changing it on our, our document here. And but what makes me think this is more of a game than people think it will be, honestly, might all have to do with the Purdue loss Ohio State suffered. And mm-hmm. because they suffered that loss to a team they probably shouldn't have lost to, um, but they matched up, Purdue did, matched up well against Ohio State and ended up beating them 49-20. to Nebraska's a similar team. If Purdue loses that game, I don't think Nebraska stands a chance. I think it's going to be ugly. But because I see similarities between Nebraska and Purdue, both struggling defenses, but all right at times, both explosive offenses, but Mm -hmm. nothing that is perfect by any means, uh, I see Nebraska actually having somewhat of a chance, albeit slim. Now, do I think they're going to go in and win 49-20 to like Purdue did? No, not a chance. Could they win? I mean, sure. There's there's a few things. I think we said this maybe even last year. We probably said it about other games this year too. The way they win is special teams and not committing turnovers, yeah. right? Um, or forcing turnovers. Whatever. Winning the turnover margin in special teams, which mm-hmm. has not been their, their, their strongest point against any team, frankly. But looking at what Purdue was able to do, and looking at the similarities between Jeff Brom's offense and Scott Frost's offense, there is similarities enough to where you could, like either Ohio State's prepared more for it or Nebraska's more prepared for it. Now, it just depends on, you know, who's watching what film. is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure they're both watching the Purdue-Ohio State game because – you know, Nebraska wants to see what Purdue did well, and Ohio State wants to see how they can stop something like Purdue. Oh yeah, again. So now I don't. Do I think Nebraska? Like I said, do I think Nebraska is going and score twenty nine points or win by twenty nine points? Probably not. But Purdue also just had a hell of a run at the end of the game too, scoring like twenty one points mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. So not not an anomaly, but no one expected that to happen either. Right. I mean, there were some people saying that Purdue might have an upset. I joked with you telling you to pick them this week because there's somewhat of a feeling that it could happen, but 29 points. I don't think anyone could have predicted that. Yeah, it's – And what's weird about it, you mentioned this. Haskins looked great even though he played from behind and threw 70-plus passes. He looked phenomenal the whole way through. Yeah, the only thing that's hurt him is the interception. I mean, you look at his entire stat line, 224 for 315 – if you want to figure out what that percentage is really quick, 2,801 yards, 30 touchdowns, and just five interceptions. Yeah, he has completed 71% of his passes. Yeah. 71.1. Wow. That's unreal. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's crazy. For, so, for his volume, 
and 30 passing touchdowns to five interceptions. You know, people talk about Tua oh, he has this many without an interception. I don't know if he has an interception now. But, I mean, even if he didn't, I'm still taking 30 to 5. I mean, yeah, if, you, if you're an NFL – And he's playing in the second half. If you're an NFL team, NFL scout, and you're taking a quarterback, are you taking Tua or Haskins? One of them's played in the second half. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> There's a real debate there, I think. I think you, No, there is. Yeah. There's a legitimate – I think Haskins, despite – Potentially being all right on his feet. I, I wouldn't say he's bad. I wouldn't say he's the biggest threat either. He's an incredible pocket passer. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you can throw it 70 times and almost for 70%. You don't see that I mean, come on. in college football. You just don't. No. Not the a guy la- that polished. The last time you saw it was Mahomes against Oklahoma two years ago. And that's Big 12 defense. And he threw 88 passes. And Mahomes is now one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, at least for his first year. Yeah. First year starting, yeah. yeah. So the thing that really interests me about this matchup, other than Nebraska has to play Ohio State, is the fact that the over/under set at seventy-three and a half right now. So they're either thinking one of two things: one of two things, a similar matchup like Purdue and Ohio State, just the scores flipped, or they're thinking Ohio State's going to hang sixty on them. It's one of the two. I think it'll be a shootout for both teams, honestly. I look at this Ohio State defense, not as great as you might expect a Buckeyes defense to be. 83rd in the nation in pass defense, and I think rush defense, they're around 50th, uh, which isn't awful, but it's not the Big Ten rush defenses that Nebraska's been used to seeing. To put it in perspective, just with with numbers, Nebraska's allowing 438 yards a game, which, not great, but not terrible, but it's like Nebraska's defense at times has looked really not great. Just bad. Of, just terrible. bad. Yeah, <laughs> terrible at times. And you've got a couple of games in there where they gave up almost 600 yards or did give up 600 <laughs> yards. Ohio State's still giving up 390 yards a game. Mm-hmm. And, that, and and they're 7-1. and one. So now the flip side is they're getting 555 yards of offense, but Nebraska's got 471. So really by the numbers, other than points per game and the win column – these teams were more comparable than yeah. you would think they would be, at least looking at it on the surface. On paper, yeah, yeah. Once, once you look at into the actual um, more in-depth statistics, Ohio State's not all cracked up with – or not all up to par is what people think. Yeah, the only difference is Haskins thrown, has thrown 19 more touchdowns. Oh, well, yeah, that'll and help. Martinez, yeah. but – Now, their offense is explosive, at least the pass offense, but even their rush offense isn't great. And the two games that they've struggled, Minnesota, they barely won. And then, obviously, the loss to Purdue. They didn't run for over 100 yards, and that's their last two games, too. So they're coming in a little cold. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins, 120 carries, 521 yards, four touchdowns. And that's their top running back. Top running back for Nebraska, Ozigbo, 96 carries for 710 yards, eight touchdowns. Now, the volume technically is less, Mm -hmm. 24 carries less. But the usage and – I don't want to say Ozigbo is better than J.K. Dobbins because that might be a reach. But his role in Nebraska's offense is more significant than Dobbins. Than Dobbins. Or Mike Weber, who's also a very good back for the Buckeyes. I mean, they, yeah, they by have, no means do they have poor running backs. Yeah, you expect Ohio State to have good players all around the board, and they do. But they're just not getting production out of them, at least in the past two games. And I think that's actually one of the keys to the game, and we'll touch on later. But running game's a concern for Ohio State because when they've mm-hmm. been one-dimensional – as great as Haskins is, and I'm fine with him 
throwing 70 times and, and having minimal incompletions and looking great, they haven't won convincingly with that formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they, there's no Ezekiel Elliott. There's no Beanie Wells. <laughs> there's no Braxton Miller turned wide receiver. You know, no Maurice Claret. But the point being, if I mean, we don't need to get into the keys yet, but if they want to win, they better be able to run the ball. Yeah. And we've seen teams against Nebraska be able to run the ball pretty well or kind of just scrap the run game altogether and attack the secondary. And I don't we might have talked about this on Monday about pro teams, but I, it's very similar in college where if you have a great front seven, you can kind of be okay with an yeah. iffy secondary or vice versa. If your front seven is manageable, but you've got four lockdown guys in the secondary, you'll take a couple of big runs. Mm-hmm. Nebraska, unfortunately. Question marks had, all over. Right. At times, their front seven's been really good. At times, their secondary's been really good. Yeah. They've just never been really good at the same time. And when one's really bad, the other one's like, ah, I don't know if we can be good today. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And the secondary's been lacking a lot for me this year for Nebraska. Um, and I think this game could be a shootout because both teams have poor secondaries, mm-hmm. at least coming into this game. And both teams have good quarterbacks that aren't afraid to throw it. And it's and it's weird to look at a 7-1 and one Ohio State team and, and find something bad about them. Right. And it's not like they're they're terrible at anything except for maybe penalties. But yeah. they're not going to be the worst team in the Big Ten at really anything. Uh, like yeah. some other teams might find themselves. Uh, Rutgers. But... <laughs> But they're not that invincible team either that you expect the Buckeyes to be. Yeah, as of late. And, again, 7-1, it's weird to say, like, oh, you think that anybody could beat them. I think anyone, any of the nine teams in front of them probably could. Yeah, definitely. And one of them is going to have to right. in Michigan. If if one, of, I mean, here's the thing, and I know we talked about this too. One of them has to run the table. My Neither of them can afford a loss. My money's on Michigan at this point. They looked like the more consistent team. Here's the thing, and I know that Michigan, God forbid, might be playing Northwestern for the Big Ten title. But if Ohio State runs table, beats Michigan, I think they – I don't want to say they have a better shot in the Big Ten title game, but I feel like if they play a team like Northwestern, they might have a better chance. But but the defense for Michigan has been so good that I don't think it matters. The defense for Michigan is so good, but even if you talk – getting them into the playoffs. Who's a better team against an Alabama or a Clemson? As great as Michigan looks, I think Ohio State does just because they're a little bit more dynamic at times. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the Michigan's improved upon that, don't get me wrong, and yeah. their, their defense is incredible, but you need dynamic playmakers at, at that stage. Well, here's the thing. Look at the top four, right? Well, Michigan obviously lost to one of them, but look at the top four. You've got Notre Dame, LSU, Clemson, Alabama, right? Against those four teams, I mean, we've seen Ohio State play a couple of those teams the past few years, but the the difference for them has been not necessarily that their defense matches up better, not necessarily that their defense is just this great, you know, next best thing since sliced bread or anything. It's that their offense is so versatile mm-hmm. and diverse in talent and et cetera, et cetera. I mean – Dwayne Haskins threw 73 passes for 67%. Then you look at Shea Patterson, who's like high for the year is 282 yards. Right. On like 18 of 
32 And Alabama defense can stop that easily. Yeah. It's that. And and Karan Higdon's great. Chris Evans is great. Like, you have all these things. Michigan's defense is great. But some of the defenses that Alabama will play in the SEC are equal or better. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're facing a pretty good one this weekend. And then you look at that, too, as far as Ohio State's offense goes versus Michigan's offense. Michigan has a great offense for the Big Ten. But how does that translate yeah. to a team like Alabama that holds people to 10 points? And I, yeah, that's, well, that's or to my Clemson, worry. who gives up 17. Michigan might be the best defense or team overall in the Big Ten, but I don't think their game translates like Ohio State's would to other top opponents in the nation. Now, I don't know. Obviously, if, if you're looking at a two-loss Ohio State, a 10-2 Ohio State and a Big Ten champion Michigan, like you're not going to – throw them in right but also if Notre Dame's undefeated and Michigan's one loss is to Notre Dame that's that becomes a question mark too obviously one of the SEC teams that's in there right now mm-hmm. has to lose this weekend does that we've seen that that doesn't matter but <laughs> it could realistically we're looking at Alabama Clemson and then if Notre Dame runs the table so it's just a matter of getting that four spot mm-hmm but is it the Big Ten champion? Is it if Washington State wins it? Does Kentucky run the table? <laughs> Does Georgia keep winning? Like, there's a lot of scenarios that can still happen. Oh, yeah. Does Alabama get in if they lose to Georgia or Kentucky what, in the final? I, think Alabama, I don't think they will. Well, but even if Alabama loses this week to LSU, can LSU run the table and win the SEC? And then is Alabama – lost to? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Florida. They lost to Florida. So, But they're ranked third in the nation right now. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Yeah, third. So if they beat Alabama, they'd probably jump to one. Mm-hmm. LSU unless run, Clemson just unless yeah beats the snot. They're going to be a top two week. team if they beat Alabama. Yeah. They run the table. They win the SEC. Alabama one loss to LSU is probably going to get into the playoffs. We've seen yeah. it happen before, and we'll yeah. probably see it happen again. Yeah, you hate to see it, but now that Alabama could still trip up against Auburn, they could still trip up against the Citadel. They could. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a joke if you couldn't tell. Um, I was just seeing if you'd catch it, to be honest. So that's kind of the landscape of it. Now bring that back in. I know we're looking ahead about four weeks, but bring that back in and reel it into how that relates to this game. If Ohio State loses or looks bad against it's Nebraska, over. they're done. And that's what I mentioned earlier. Was it earlier earlier this week or last week? Nebraska has an opportunity to spoil a lot of seasons. Spoil still. Ohio State's and Iowa's season at yep. this point. Because Iowa could still run the table and make the make the title game. Right. I mean, a lot of it lies on this Northwestern, weekend, next weekend, yeah. but and Nebraska and everything. Yeah. Nebraska will stand a chance to spoil their season, and mm-hmm. this week Iowa State potentially could see their season, or at least college football playoff hopes and all that. Uh, CNN potentially because they don't even have to lose this weekend for it to be. A bad market. A close game against a poor team this year. It could be 31-27, and people be like, is this the team we want? Even if if on paper they should be better than Michigan or Notre Dame. And as much as Nebraska fans will like to say and talk about how they've seen this team progress and how they are a threatening team and better than their record shows, and all that might be true, Mm -hmm. the committee's going to see a three-win team potentially. Four-win, whatever. Four-win team potentially. Two-win potentially. (laughs) I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but yes. And they're going to see them holding close against an Ohio State. They're not going to justify Ohio State being in that com- yeah. playoff conversation because of their record. Yeah. No matter how much better they've actually looked on the field. 
Yeah, I think that's been the most interesting thing about the college football playoff, especially when it's come to Big Ten teams. Look at Penn State. Penn State wins the Big Ten title game. They're a two-loss team. <laughs> but they but they beat – I believe they beat Ohio State yeah, that season. Yeah, but they, they lost. Barkley. They got – I think they lost. Uh, they lost a non-conference game, and then they lost one conference game, mm-hmm. and then they win the whole thing. And then Ohio State gets it now. Ohio State also won the title game that year, so right. is that that's where they can start to justify it. It's when a team gets in with one loss. We've never seen a two-loss team. That probably should have been the year. But if a team gets in with one loss and then just gets obliterated, and they didn't win their title game, then people kind of start like thinking: Is hey, is this? a bad idea but because Ohio State went in the first time as a one-loss team that didn't win their title game and then won it it's like okay well maybe I think if we see or maybe they didn't they know they won it that year right or maybe they just made it and then they lost the title game whatever it was I don't remember but I don't remember but the two-loss team I think potentially some things had to fall into place LSU could be that team this year they lose to Alabama this weekend if they do That'd be expected. They drop a few slots, but they beat Georgia, who's ranked sixth right now. They have Arkansas and Rice after that. Those are easy wins. And then they would have to beat a top 20 Texas A&M team final week of the season. That should be a win for them. They'd be at least somewhere near the conversation. But other things would have to fall in line. Yeah, there is a, there are a lot of teams that are still very much in it despite kind of being out of it. Now, do I think this time. is the year we see a two-loss team making it? No, but I think... It might come close with a team like LSU. I think the most infuriating year still is when TCU or Baylor should have got in and neither got in. But And that was the year that Ohio State made it in. Yeah. I think that fourth, was 2014. Were they the fourth team and then they ended up winning it? Yes. Yeah. So I, I had my years mixed up. but that still was the first year of the playoffs. Still, Ohio State, I think, made it over Penn State that year. They just didn't win the thing. Yeah. I had my years backed up. That was the first year. Of the playoffs. And it was TCU and Baylor, and the only loss that – TCU had well the only loss that Baylor had was to TCU and the only loss TCU had was to someone else in the conference or whatever so they were both one loss teams and one of them I mean they were tied they were co-big 10 big 12 champions That's the problem they didn't have a championship game yeah but even then if they would have played each other again one team uh, might have made it in, one team might have made it but what and that's the precedent that college football playoff set was well, how about we just throw a different team so we don't have to pick either of them? Because what was going to happen was if you picked Baylor, it's like, but TCU beat TCU's them. But if you, beat, if you pick TCU, it's like, yeah, but they lost to someone worse than Baylor lost to because Baylor lost to a team that could have yeah. also made the playoffs. So it was like, let's just leave them both and out. And the committee got lucky that Ohio State won, won it all. Won the whole thing. Because <laughs> yeah. then they, yeah, you know they were sweating it yeah. the whole time. But then, yeah, Ohio State just rolled. But, yeah, that uh, – Something else. Yeah, you were something else. But, yeah, uh, you look at – I tell you what throws this whole thing for a loop is Notre Dame going undefeated so far this year. And they have a chance to win out. But if an independent team like Notre Dame makes it into the playoffs, whew. Yeah. You know what I think is really interesting is I looked up the uh, college football playoff history. Alabama has made it all four years. Yep. Tears. Clemson's made it three of the years. Only – one of the three times that Alabama made it, did they make it undefeated? Really? Yep. Every other year they had one loss. Let's see, did they lose to Auburn one year on that kick six? They no. Alabama 
last year they lost to Georgia. Lost to Georgia. Right. And then and then Georgia lost to Auburn. Right. No, Auburn beat Alabama. I think right now. How did that work out? <laughs> you you know what I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, oh, this is no this I, now I remember. So uh, Georgia beat Alabama, and then Auburn beat Georgia, but then Auburn played Georgia for the title game and lost, and then went and lost. Yeah, I think that, I think that's how that worked out. Either way, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, of all of the years of the College Bowl playoff, only three teams have made it undefeated, and it was Alabama. 2016-17, Florida State the first year of the playoff. And Did they still have Jameis then? 13-0 Clemson in 15. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was Winston's Kevin, last year. Kelvin Because remember when he, he goes back to throw it and it like slips out of his hand. And then <laughs> against Oregon. Against yeah. Oregon, yeah. So, yeah. And only no undefeated team. Now, here here's, <laughs> here's an excuse for just going in as a one-loss team. No undefeated team has Never won lost. the playoff. Wow. No number one seed has lost the playoff or has won the playoff either. That's also shocking. So Ohio State is the four, Alabama is two, Clemson is two, and Alabama is four. Be the two or the four seed. Yep. <laughs> you don't want to be perfect. Because you get the best team out of the way. Right away. Yeah. If you win if you win against the number you can one beat team. The number one team. Good to go. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. So Nebraska uh, is not probably going to make the playoff this year, uh, is, is what we're trying to say. But I, I see this game. Do you remember that a couple of weeks ago? Might have been last week. You proposed this way Nebraska could still win the Big Ten. Yeah, is that still alive? Northwestern won that week last ah. weekend. Leave it to Northwestern to ruin yeah. it all. Yeah, and Wisconsin. Now they might win it. Wisconsin had to beat Northwestern. Northwestern had to lose the rest of their conference games. So. Yeah, Nebraska, you heard it here first, breaking news. Nebraska is officially out of the Big Ten West <laughs> title race. Sorry, Husker fans. But they could they could finish as they could finish as co-number twos if they went out. What more could you ask for? More than two wins, I <laughs> guess. I don't, you could ask for a lot more, apparently, because it's uh, not, been, not been a fantastic year. But basically – the line we're going with this. Don't be surprised if Ohio State hangs sixty, but also expect it to probably be closer than that. <laughs> That's what we're be- saying is it could go either way. We don't know. Depend- I'm not going to say it depends on which Husker. Like I used to be able to say, well, it depends on which Husker team shows up. You have an idea of what Husker team is going to show up. My question is Ohio State, honestly. Yeah. No, that's true. And are they going to come back mad or are they going to come back like, oh, ho-hum, is this yeah. going to go the same way as Purdue? I don't know. You hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're a Husker fan, certainly. I don't know I don't know what to expect. From, I mean, you have an idea, but I don't know which consistent Ohio State team you expect to show up. Yeah, I don't know. I th- Here's – We'll get to our keys here in just a second. Here are the expectations for both teams. I think these are two very obvious things you can expect from either team. Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins will throw the ball 45 times. He will dissect this defense. Yep. That is – you expect that. Yeah. And if you don't, you're fooling yourself. I think if Nebraska can force one or two interceptions, it's an incredible – It's an incredible game game (laughs) for the Huskers. Uh, What can you expect from – Nebraska. You can expect that the young guys on offense or some of the veterans will not give up. Yeah. I 
especially guys like Martinez, Ozigbo, Spielman, Morgan, the offensive. I mean, I basically named the whole offense, but guys that know what this game means to them, especially how the past four or five years have gone against Ohio State. I mean, these guys are five and one against Ohio State since joining the Big Ten, Nebraska. I mean, they're five and one all time, I think, too. But <laughs> those are all the times they've played. So, and they haven't won since 2011. Yeah, that was the first. The time. first time yeah. they played, and they almost lost that one too. Stanley Jean Baptiste with the interception. Um, MVP of that game was Sean Fisher breaking uh, Braxton Miller's leg. Yeah. When I, in doubt, just I, hurt the yeah. opponent, right? Yeah. Well, actually, the MVP of the game was the backup, not expecting to ever have to play oh, that right. season. Yeah. So. Geez, Huskers were decent. Like Levante David had a key play. I think that was Levante David yeah, last year true. too, right? Yeah. Because he got drafted in 2012. So Stanley Jean Baptiste got overdrafted, probably because of that play right there and his size. Mm-hmm. Second round pick. He's still on a roster. He, I know he was the He's, first he broke player his arm, cut though. in that. In the like the earliest player drafted to be cut out of everyone. Well. But now he's somewhere else. So he's good with for Baltimore. Him. Good for him. A good yeah, defense. Broke his arm, but. <laughs> Because every time – that's the thing. Every time he looks impressive, they're like, oh, Gene Baptiste looks great in uh, he has everything practice. You want. He Size looks great uh, in conditioning. Preseason, he's going to be great. Breaks his arm. Yep. Rolls an ankle. Breaks a hand. It's just like – Unlucky. Yeah, can't get it. Keys to the game, Stephen, before we get into our picks. I think for Ohio State, establish a rushing attack. I mentioned it earlier, but the two games they've really struggled, they haven't eclipsed 100 yards on the ground. And it's really forced Haskins and that offense to be one-dimensional. As, as great as Haskins is, you just can't win games. It's not a recipe for success just being a one-dimensional team. And so I think they have good players in the backfield. I think if they can get them going, Ohio State, I don't see how they're, sto- they're going to be stopped if, if they're balanced. Yeah, I, I like the run game. I think, I think another key to the game for Ohio State, honestly – Score early and often, and I know that's kind of cliche, but but it's true. If if like we said, if if Haskins can dissect the secondary early and they can get two or three scores up, then Nebraska's forced to throw more than they normally would want to, and then even if they have a struggling defense, they can kind of try to let their defense take over, and that way when Haskins and Dobbins get back out there, it's, it's take your time. We talked about too how the committees can have their eye on this game and see even if it's close, they're going to hold that against Ohio State. If the Buckeyes come out with some firepower early on and really quiet down all these critics and people saying that they're not good enough, mm-hmm. that's going to be a huge statement. Oh, that's, yeah. So I think, just like you said, coming out scoring early. It would yeah. be great for them not just this week but moving on. Yeah, silence the Huskers as early as possible. Uh, Nebraska, Keys? Similar. I, I think they're the best. They're w- about the best team on the field almost every single time or close to it when they have a balanced offense. Mm-hmm. Both defenses aren't that great, um, but if whoever has the more balanced offense, I think has the better chance of winning this game. Is score more points not a not a good key to the game? I don't know how I didn't think of that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, Nebraska's just got to play discipline and force turnovers. I think those are the two biggest things for them. If if they commit less penalties, yeah, and, and force more turnovers, it's conducive whether for the success. win. It's hard to say because Haskins is just that good. And he was really good against Purdue, and they still lost. But if they can do those two things combined, something they haven't done very often all season, oh yeah, 
they'll keep themselves in this game and they'll they'll just be able to let their offense take over like they want to. That's Neither. the whole point of the de- the defense is to get the offense back right. out on the field. Neither of these teams are too disciplined when it comes to penalties either. Two of the worst three teams in the Big Ten are going to be – that's who we're seeing this Saturday. And so I think the team with less penalties and, and less moments where they shoot themselves in the foot, I think certainly if Nebraska can do that less than Ohio State, I'm, put themselves in a good I, position. I mean, we kind of said it, but as weird as it sounds, as Ohio State's 7-1, and one, Nebraska's 2-6 – and six, they're closer don't, than you think. Don't you think they match up better than they do? Like they yeah. should. Oh, certainly. And and the other thing too is that we aren't seeing two of the best teams in the Big Ten, but we also aren't seeing the two worst teams in the Big Ten by any means. We're not watching Rutgers Illinois part two, but I I just think it will be. We're also closer. not watching Michigan Northwestern <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it'll be interesting to see which which Ohio State team shows up and how long Nebraska can keep themselves in it. I'm going to have to cough here in a second, so let me just get this first game out. Uh, Friday night lights, Pac-12 after dark, 9.30 p.m. Colorado travels to Arizona. Arizona is starting to hit that uprise. Colorado sinking to the very depths of hell. Uh, Colorado's 5-3 after starting 5-0. Three straight conference losses. They are two-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road at Tucson. Yeah, this team, Colorado is at risk of not going bowling this year, and I'm starting to get pretty worried because I was so high on them at the beginning of the season. Obviously, the 5-0 start, they looked fantastic. I want to lean Arizona because, as you said, they're heating up. There's few things I like more in in football right now than Pac-12 after dark. I think that'll help Colorado gain some momentum, just the atmosphere. They need this win. They need this win, and I think they're going to get it. I'll go 45-42 buffs in a thriller. I didn't wear the hoodie for nothing. Uh... The tough part for me here is that I, I do think Arizona could win this game. They've looked a lot better. But as a Sun Devil fan, no way. Not a chance. I'd rather see Colorado go undefeated and smoke Arizona State every year than see Arizona win a football game. So give me Colorado. I think it'll be close, two and a half. I mean, they'll obviously cover because they're winning outright. But I think they keep it close till the end. LaVisca Chenault, game-winning touchdown, 38-34. Game number two, as we just talked about it at much at length, Nebraska at number 10, Ohio State. Ohio State now a 19-point favorite. Huskers on the road. Historically haven't been great on the road, at least this year and as of late. I, I think we know where we're going, but. We talked about how Nebraska does match up well, at least better than you'd expect a two-win team to match up against the Buckeyes. But I just don't see how Nebraska can pull this one out. I'm not saying they won't. They have a chance. They could be in this game. But I think they're too mistake-prone. I have visions of just Martinez trying to do too much on the road in a tough environment. Ohio State having the better athletes all around. Could be closer than this, but I think Ohio State wins 49-31. I won't be surprised if Nebraska makes it a game, though. So Nebraska covers by a point. By a point. All right, I like that. Yeah, if Nebraska can get the run game going, I think they keep it closer. But I, I think your prediction's right on as far as this team will look different than they did against Michigan, I think they'll be able to do more against Ohio State than they did against Michigan. But I just think Dwayne Haskins is too much. I, I think he could throw to a, a cardboard cutout of a receiver and probably complete 80% of his passes. Don't don't be surprised if Dwayne Haskins throws for 405 touchdowns, but I think it's close. I, I, I think at the end, maybe some garbage time. I think Nebraska covers 45-31, but I, I think – 
pretty close to what Same you're thinking point. too. Yeah. All right, sticking in the Big Ten, Rutgers at Wisconsin. Was not Wisconsin's biggest spread of the year, but pretty close. Uh, Thirty-point favorite against the Scarlet Knights. We talked how Nebraska matched up well, but Ohio State's a different beast. Wisconsin's a different beast than Rutgers. Any team is a different beast than Rutgers. Uh, you got to go Badgers in this one. Will Wisconsin cover? Maybe not. They've had their problems of their own. I'll take the Badgers 24-0. They pitch a shutout. and I just don't see how Rutgers has a chance in this one. Rutgers covers. I'll put that out there. They won't win. But Wisconsin is historically bad at covering large spreads. Not because they're a bad football team. Just because sometimes it's way too many points. They're they're good at scoring, but Hornybrook didn't play last week. I I don't think taking him out of concussion protocol against Rutgers would necessarily be uh, the best spot for him. Maybe as a tune-up game, but it's not high on the to-do list. Yeah, it's definitely maybe he'll play the first drive. It's gonna be a preseason game for Wisconsin. I like the shutout idea. I think Rutgers gets a touchdown late. Give me give me twenty-four to seven. I, I, I right in the same area, yeah. but I, I think Rutgers sneaks one in. Arter Sitkowski, 95-yard pass. No, We're I, on I, the same wave today. Know. Michigan State at Maryland. Maryland, a two-and-a-half-point dog. Durkin gets fired. Matt Canada's had a pretty good season. Both these teams fighting for bowl eligibility, both five and three. Is this the game for either of – well, one of them is going to be bowl eligible at the end of this thing, but do the Terrapins get it done? Or do the Spartans keep it rolling? How the mighty have fallen with the Spartans. They look like one of the better teams to start the year. Their offense looked looks inept. The defense is great, though. Uh, Maryland has some talent. I think there's too many distractions going on right now. You hear about the environment and how uh, awful it is right now. The players are turning against each other, it seems. I'll take Michigan State in this one just because Maryland has way too many problems. We'll go 21-10 Michigan State. I like Maryland at home. College Park, they've been pretty good. I know they're underdogs this week, but I think while players may be turning against each other, I think Saturdays are when they rally together. I think it's close. I don't know where where or what direction this really goes, but I think Maryland walks away with a win. They walk away with bowl eligibility. Like you said, Michigan State hasn't looked great most of the season, and then at times they look really good, so you don't know what you're going to get. Also, Maryland just put 63 points. I know it's Illinois. 63 points is 63 points. They're not getting 63 this week. 33-24. I think they get a field goal late to just seal the deal. All right, number 16, Iowa at Purdue. Purdue's a three-point favorite, at least as of yesterday. I was a little surprised by that, considering Iowa is ranked number 16 in the college football playoff, and they've looked pretty good this year too. I was surprised to see the Boilermakers the favorite too especially after their troubles last week against Michigan State. I look at this game, and I think a healthy Purdue team certainly stands a chance, but I think Iowa edges them out because Rondell Moore is a game-time decision. You don't know if he's fully healthy or not. I think Iowa, you know what you're going to get from him. I'll take 31, 31-17 Iowa over Purdue. I think what you can expect is David Blau to play really well. Nate Stanley has struggled lately. It will be a battle of the quarterbacks. I was wronged by picking Purdue last week. We both were. We were wrong by picking Iowa last week. But I just think Iowa as a whole, now I'm not saying they're better than Ohio State, but I think their defense matches up better against Purdue than Ohio State did. It's a close one. But is it? I think it's going to be a classic 
Big Ten score. 17-14. I think Iowa finds a way to shut down the offense. I don't think Rondell Moore plays. I think they hold them out. But they're in danger of missing a bowl game, mm-hmm. too, and we thought they may be a 7- or 8-win team. So if if he if he's ready to go, maybe they'll play him to try to get an extra win. But I, I think Iowa gets it done. Minnesota at Illinois. Illinois, a 9.5-point underdog at home. Minnesota hasn't looked great, but they've looked better. And they get a win going into uh, Urbana-Champaign. Illinois, who knows what's happening. Yeah, Illinois has gone downhill and gone downhill downhill quickly. Minnesota beating Indiana last week. I picked Indiana. I thought they were going to have the edge. This Minnesota team flips and flops on whether they want to be good or not. But they're going up against a weaker opponent. I vowed not to take the Illini the rest of the year. i got to stay with that. I'll row the boat with Fleck this weekend. We'll go 38-14, Gophers. Kind of ugly. Yeah, I think Minnesota's got to get it done in this one. Illinois, not high enough power to stop Minnesota. Minnesota, not very high power at all. But I I just don't think either team team matches up really well with each other. But if it had to come down to it, I'd pick Minnesota to win most of the time. Who knows who's going to play a quarterback. Zach Anastad looks fine so far through the season, but they'll have to get – They'll have to get someone going this week, probably on the ground if they want to win. 38-14 is a little high for me, but give me Minnesota. I scored 38 last week, but give me Minnesota 31-17. I think they'll both keep it pretty close in the long run. Number 14, Penn State at number 5, Michigan. Michigan a 10.5-point favorite. The only ranked first ranked matchup in the Big Ten this uh, weekend. Yeah, it's a, and it's a good one, too. I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. This might be the best offense Michigan has had to face all year, but that defense is so dominant, and Michigan's offense has done well against better defenses. With that, I got to go Wolverines in this one. We'll go 28-21. Penn State does all right against Michigan's defense, but at the end of the day, Harbaugh and company, different beast, and, and I think Wolverines uh, keep it going. Yeah, Michigan actually is now a 12-point favorite, so... The money is not lying on Penn State this weekend, and I don't think that's where I'm lying either. Michigan 7-1, and one, their defense is, is too good. I know that Penn State's offense with Trace McSorley, Miles Sanders, it's good. But the thing is, Michigan State, Michigan, excuse me, Michigan has enough offense to beat Penn State, and they have a good enough defense to stop Penn State. So I think that's what's going to happen. It'll be low scoring. 12 is probably about right. 28-14 maybe? I, I just don't think either team's going to have a great day offensively, but mm-hmm. one will just score more than the other. <sighs> I don't know where I'm going with this one, and I don't know where you're going with this <laughs> one, but number four, Notre Dame at Northwestern. Northwestern, a 10-point underdog at home. Ryan Field. We say it every week. I don't know. What do we know about <laughs> I don't, this Northwestern I don't know. team? We haven't picked them right, at least I haven't, in weeks it seems, maybe the whole season. Notre Dame is top four team and I think they have a legitimate chance of going undefeated but we've seen Northwestern play them close and beat them in years past I think Northwestern though is focused on the Big Ten title I think they're going to be looking ahead this week to conference games they have a big one next weekend against Iowa so I think Notre Dame beats Northwestern in this one we'll go 24-14 fighting Irish for the sake of Northwestern being a 7-5 team to win the Big Ten, I hope they lose this weekend. <laughs> but for the sake of picks, 
I'm leaning Northwestern this week, and the reason I'm going there is because, like you said, we don't know anything about this Northwestern team. I think they are better than anything we've seen. I know their five wins are all in conference, and their two losses out of conference weren't great. Duke, they were, <laughs> it was ugly. Akron, they should have won. But I think this is the week they get their non-conference win for the year. Um, of course, it's going to be against the number four team in the country. I'm not crazy for picking that. Notre Dame's not going to be undefeated. Notre Dame will be knocked out of the playoff race. Northwest is going to hit a game-winning field goal, 27-24. They're playing at home. That place is electric. All I'm saying, It'll probably be full of Notre Dame fans. <laughs> All I'm saying is you can make a case for a one-loss Notre Dame team in the playoff if they lose to the future Big Ten champs. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, like I said, Northwestern might be the first four-loss team to make it into the playoff, 9-4. and four. All right, moving on. Number six, Georgia at number nine, Kentucky. Kentucky laying nine points here. They're the underdog at home. No pun intended to the dogs coming to town. Who do you like? You're a Snell fan. You're a Kentucky fan. I think I'm leaning Georgia either way, and I assume you're leaning Kentucky. I could be completely wrong. Snell, yeah. But (laughs) I think Georgia's just the more complete team, the better team, a team that could compete in the playoffs. I got to go Bulldogs in this one. We'll go 31 21. Kentucky has some players that can make plays, but I think Georgia handled them. I'm trying to see if the line is updated at all, and now I can't find the game at all. Uh, Georgia's going to win this game, so I'm taking Kentucky. <laughs> and for that reason only, I, I think – I mean, this is going to decide the SEC West. Oh, yeah. Or SEC East, excuse me. They're both 7-1. and one. They both have one loss in the SEC. Penny Snell's been great. I think Kentucky's good enough to win. I know that – you know, they barely beat Missouri. It was on an untimed down, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all Greek to me. They're going to beat Georgia. Oh, you ever been to Kroger Field? It's basically <laughs> a high school field. Kentucky, give me Kentucky 24-19. Uh, I think Georgia will go for two late, go for the onside kick, not get it, lose by five. Kentucky's going to win the SEC East. Number 13, West Virginia at number 17, Texas. I can barely say that with a straight face. But Texas, two-point favorite at home. They just lost to Okie State last week. West Virginia, pretty high ranking despite losing to Iowa State earlier this year. Who do you like? I've been under – I've sold this Texas team too short at times yeah. throughout the year. I think they're better than I've given them credit for. But I'm going to take West Virginia just because of Will Greer and the firepower that that offensive ha- offense has. I'm not going to be surprised if Texas wins this game, but I think with Will Greer leading that offense, I think West Virginia stands a chance, and I think they will win this game. We'll go 38-35 Mountaineers, but either way, I'm not surprised. I don't know if you know this or not, but the leading receiver for Texas is first name Lil Jordan, last name <laughs> Humphrey. Give me Texas. Uh, <laughs> for that fact only, don't love Texas this year at all. Two losses. Uh, Okie State was kind of ugly, lost to Maryland. I really like Maryland, but West Virginia hasn't looked convincing either. I think this will be a classic Big 12 shootout. I think there's going to be a lot of points. 48-45, someone hits a field goal or a touchdown late. I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I think Texas walks away with this one uh, and and continues their way to potentially still win the Big 12. yeah. Number 15, Utah at Arizona State. Arizona State, a seven-point underdog at home. They've been better at home than on the road. They finally got a road win last week. 
Utah was a team I thought they were going to beat. Now Utah is pretty good. I thought Utah was a team they were going to beat too, but now the Utes are first in the Pac-12 South. They beat Stanford, Arizona, USC, all teams probably right around the same range as Arizona State. I think Utah's the better team, and so I'll take Utah in this one. I would like to see Arizona State with the upset. I think that's a great environment and fun team to watch, especially with a perm at the helm, but I'm going to take Utah in this one. They've been putting up points recently. I'll go 42-38, Pac-12 thriller once again. You know, I think I use the same reasons every time I pick Arizona State. Manny Wilkins, Nikhil Harry, Eno Benjamin, or Benjamin Eno. Well, either way, whichever it is. I just think that stays true this week. I I want them to beat Utah. I thought this was a game at the beginning of the year they could win. I think they match up pretty well. Utah's demolished a, f- a few teams, but Arizona State's kind of a team that paces somebody throughout a, out the game, help makes them change their tempo. I think it's close. Give me Arizona State. It's going to be a pro score. Give me Arizona State 20-17. to 17. I think it's close, but they, they uh, lock it down there at the end. Number one, Alabama at number three, LSU. LSU is a 14-and-a-half-point underdog. No team since 1998. Only one team, excuse me. Only one team since 1998 in the top four has been more than a 10-point underdog, and it was the kick six game. Uh, Auburn was a 10-and-a-half-point underdog to Alabama, which they won. LSU, 14-and-a-half points. 14-and-a-half is too much for me for LSU, but they're going up against Alabama, Nick Saban, Tua. It's going to be a good game. I think Alabama's the better team, but I see them slipping up at least once this season. I think Ed Orgeron and company is the team to do it. It's just part of their brand. It's part of the gumbo. And so I'm going to take LSU in this one. Big upset. Nick Saban's going to be pissed at the end of this one. 17-14, SEC thriller. Go Tigers. I hate that we even consider this an upset considering they're both in the top four. But I'm leaning the same way, and I I want LSU to win this game. I want them to just upset with the spread. I want them to cause havoc in the top four. I don't want Alabama to get in as a one-loss team, but hell, it might happen. But I think LSU gets it done. I know that they're missing Devin White at linebacker, but that's just for the first half. Tua doesn't play the second half. LSU does. (laughs) Give me LSU 21-19. Cal at number eight, Washington State. Washington State still has a chance to run the table, potentially make it in. Nine and a half point favorite against Cal's. We've only got about, I might have to play music more. (laughs) Cal's just not a good enough football team for this Washington State. I don't think they can keep up. This Washington State team, Mike Leach, they look phenomenal as of late. I'm going to take the Cougars. We'll go 42, I think it's going to be a blowout, 42-17. Yeah, Gardner Minshew, I think that's how you pronounce his name. If you're listening, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just think Washington State's too good. Nine and a half. Not that it's low because you don't want to go too high in a conference game. I, I, I'm not a fan of spreads that are too big in a conference game, but nine and a half kind of seems low. I think you're on the right track with a blowout. Washington State, 45-20. I think Cal maybe scores late, but Washington State just runs away with this thing. And this week, we have a historically bad doubleheader, games we know nothing about. Starting with UConn at Tulsa, both teams one and seven. <laughs> Had to go find the spread for this. Tulsa, an 18-point favorite as of last night. They hit the nail on the head. I don't know anything about these two teams. 18, yeah, I'm not going to look up either. 18-point <laughs> spread, though. That's a little shocking for me. I have to go Tulsa in this one just because the spread's too large to pick UConn, who I know is historically bad. Uh, we'll go Tulsa in this one. 
I don't even know what these teams have been putting up. Uh, we'll go 38-14 Tulsa with some power going on. Yeah, I have no idea if either of these teams are good at anything. But for the fact that you take Tulsa, I'm just going to take UConn because, again, we know nothing about these two teams. I'm just going to pick whoever you don't. So give me UConn. I don't know. 13-6. to six. It's really? It's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, 14 injuries, a bunch of cramps. Ambulance will come onto the field. I'm not making a joke about that, but <laughs> UConn's going to win. UTEP, at, cook your rice for one minute, maybe five. <laughs> the Depends on if you're using the microwave or the stove. One-point favorite against UTEP. UTEP 0-8, longest losing streak in the country. Rice 1-8, not any better. Yeah, this is going to be a thriller. These teams are awful. UTEP, FBS leading 20-game losing streak. Rice, 19 of their last 21. It's been 740 days since UTEP last beat an FBS team on the road. It's been 1,069 days since Rice last beat an FBS team not named UTEP at home. This week they are playing UTEP, though. Favor goes to Rice, but they're on, I believe, their third-string running back, fourth-string quarterback. I'm going the Miners in this one. UTEP's going to pull it out 24-21. UTEP gets their first win of the season. I prefer organic brown rice. They're playing at home. They're playing UTEP. Look, if you're UCF, you want to keep your win streak going. If you're UTEP... What are you known for right now? Losing. Why not keep it going? It doesn't look great for recruits. doesn't look great for anybody, frankly. But think about the T-shirts. <laughs> Give me Rice. One point's correct. Seven to six. Rice is going to win <laughs> seven to six. It's a push. I was hoping three to two. <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> but I, I think Rice is a little better than just a field goal. Uh... Seven to six. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. I'm sticking with it. Don't miss it. UTEP will miss a two-point conversion at the end <laughs> to win the game. They're Super Bowl. Ah. Well, there you go. There are the picks. We're a little over, but. We started a little late today. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you just got to make up for lost time, you know. So, <laughs> oh, basically what we're saying is find a way to watch UTEP and Rice. Find a way to watch UConn and Tulsa. Enjoy some really bad football. If you've got one win, I'm sorry. If you're UTEP, Steven picked San Jose State to get their first win last week. I so got maybe, the lucky touch. Maybe you've got the lucky touch. Steven, we've got about 10 seconds. Anything left? Till Monday. Till Monday. Hopefully picks go my way this week. Thanks for listening to Tunnel Talk Radio.